Yeah. 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 Booming out in Sabonet like Lou Will. Six men like Lou Will. Okay, so welcome back to the Six Man Podcast. Um, so the focus of the National Basketball Association with yours truly, Alex Moskowitz from the Emory Real Sports Section. Yeah, bro, Super Interactive. Okay. So this podcast will be broadcast on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're back to talk about our NBA um, draft sleepers from the uh, from post from from after the lottery uh, and into the second round. Okay, so uh, Aaron, give me uh, give me one of your uh, NBA draft sleepers. Yeah, I mean, I love Ty Jerome out of Virginia. Uh, I think he's <clears throat> one of the best. IQ, high IQ players in this draft. I think he's a prototypical point guard that a lot of teams are looking for. You know, there's a lot of lottery picks that are looking for a point guard and that, you know, they're not really finding the lottery. And I think Ty Jerome could be really be the guy that they're looking for. His court vision is impeccable. He's He always has his head up and he's just, he just sees three passes ahead. And he's just someone that, what they call, what scouts call, they, you pass teammates open. He's, he's He passes to people that, and makes them have open shots. And it's just something you don't see in every point guard, and he has it. And he also, at the same time, his defensive upside is is through the roof. I think uh, at six five, at his size, I think he's he's a perfect uh, point guard to defend all these other point guards. You know, he's fast, he's agile, and he's just he's just the prototypical point guard that a lot of people are looking for. You know, a lot of weaknesses, a lot of uh, people like knocks that they have on him is definitely his athleticism. You know, at six five. He's not he's not that guy that's gonna jump out of the roof, but he he makes up for it in his high IQ to me, and I, I think he could be a great startable caliber point guard in this league. Yeah, I I think Jerome will become a good player. I think I see him more as a combo guard, uh, similar to uh, a fellow Virginia alum, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And yeah, I agree. He's got. Great court uh, court vision. He's big. He's a physical defender. Uh, but yeah, I I do question his ability to uh, to get to the rim. And really, I I see him more as a driver off a pass, be- just because of his quick first step, rather than you know to really get past guy after a series of dribble moves. And that's kind of how he was in at Virginia. You know, obviously he handled the ball and he executed well in pick and roll, but I see him more as a secondary ball handler like Malcolm Brogdon, who's a really good passer, really good distributor, but I don't think he's fast enough to be a, an NBA point guard. He's quick. He's not fast, so I don't think he pushes the ball well enough coming from a really slow pace system uh, at Virginia, and uh, and yeah, I think I think he'll be a really good uh, rotational, sp- uh, rotational piece and, on a good team. Yeah, definitely. Also, I think I think you can't underestimate the fact that, or undervalue the fact that he is a proven winner. Right. He's a proven right. winner. I mean, they barely lost to Virginia in his three years. Right. No, so, yeah, definitely. I think that's a that's a big point. I think, and that's why we see a lot of people from Virginia that they were going a lot of second round. You know, a lot like Malcolm Brogdon, all these other guys, Joe Harris, but they they've come out on top. They've they've gotten their minutes. They fought for it, and I think that does say something to the Virginia the winning attitude that you said. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, well, although I don't have Jerome as a sleeper, uh, I think he'll be a good player. So one of my sleepers is uh, Tyler Hero. Uh, I think he compares to uh, – I think he's more of a – he's a combo guard, similar to Landry Shamit. And I think people kind of – they think Hero's just a shooter, so they like to compare him to J.J. Raddick. But although he possesses a great, you know, great shot, he um, – he also possesses the ability to uh, to attack the rim, uh, create his own shot, and I think that's evidenced by the fact that he only made 1.5 threes per game this year at Kentucky, and he still scored 14 points per game, and he also averaged 2.5 assists per game this year. And while he's not a primary ball handler, I think he'll become a really good NBA player, um, and I, whether his role is a six man, uh, six man or starting shooting guard. Uh, I think he'll become a really good player, and I think uh, he has a bright future. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I do think a lot of people overhype his shooting as his main skill, but he is—he he showed a lot at Kentucky. I think he showed a lot of inefficiency and a lot of inconsistency at Kentucky. Um, he definitely has a lot of trust in his shot, but he does take a, take very tough mid-range shots rather than you know looking for a better shot. He he fades away when he doesn't have to. And those are things that uh, a lot of teams are looking for. A lot of teams are, you know, it shows a lot of maturity when team when players pass up those kind of shots. And you know, he's not he doesn't have that yet. But I do think he can mold into a player that does have that. And he does. He's very big. He's very fast. And he's he's very uh, smart on the defensive end. He 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 gets in the way of passing lanes a lot. So I think that all could attribute to a high a higher maturity at like down the line. But right now, I. I wouldn't call him a sleeper. I, I think he's he's someone that needs a lot of work to me. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Aaron, give me another one of your sleepers. Well, I mean, I guess I guess Bulbul. Um, you know, coming into this year, I didn't think he was going to be a sleeper. I think he was going to be a top five pick, but he did have some injury. But those times in Oregon, he he was showing some insane skill. You know, he was all over the court, blocking shots from deep, blocking shots at the rim. He was hitting shots consistently from the three. Also, being 7-2, he was taking people off the dribble, surprisingly. But he's fallen all this. First, his injury. We don't know about his durability because we have seen, you know, his, his dad, you know, Boban. A lot of people, it, tall people, they have uh, knee issues. And it, it's definitely a cause for concern from a lot of these scouts. But a big thing with Bobol, you know, I <clears throat> just the, the word around the street is he just doesn't work hard. You know, he, he has that name, Bull. You know, everyone thinks I'm a new Bull. Everyone knows Bull Bull from those high school mixtapes. Apparently, he, do, he doesn't just – he just doesn't really work hard enough to, like, really warrant an idea that he wants to be a great NBA player. And I think that's the biggest catch on him. And, you know, if he could show that, if he could show that desire to be a really good player, someone in, in the 18 to 30 range is getting an unbelievable player. Yeah, I agree. I mean – I, I compare him to at least his skill set to Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, he can shoot the three. Uh, he's 7-2. And he averaged 22 points per game in his nine games at Oregon. He also shot over 40% from three, which is remarkable for a guy at his size. Um, but, you know, his health is a huge concern. Uh, he weighed in at 208 pounds at the NBA Combine, putting him 30 pounds lighter than Kristaps Porzingis. And, and we've seen Porzingis in the NBA struggle with the long 82-game season. 
Uh, he recently tore his ACL, still hasn't come back from that. So I think, you know, he is the biggest boomer bust prospect in this entire draft. I think somebody could be getting an incredible player if he proves his work ethic like you, proves to have a good work ethic like you mentioned and uh, avoids the injuries. But, you know, but they could also, I also think he could yeah. be out of the league in three years. Right, so, and he could also be just a locker room mess, someone that you don't want around. Uh, so, and that's that's obviously becoming a bigger thing in this NBA. Someone because how much uh, the players are just controlling the market, controlling their own market, and uh, that's going to be a big thing. You know, a big thing in this draft is is how are these guys in the locker room, and that's a that's a big thing about Bobo. Okay, so my next sleeper is Mafiandu Kabengeli. He's a center from uh, Florida State. Um, and I think he compares to Serge Ibaka. I think he's a really good player. He's one of the the really impressive players that I uh, watched this year, especially against Zion. He played well. He defended him well. Um, he has an NBA-ready body at six foot 10, 250 pounds. And I think this year he really expanded his range. He became more of a three-point shooter. Um, he shot 37% from three this year. And he also is good from the line, 76% from the line, um, and shot over 50% from the field. So I think he's a really good player. I think he's super underrated, given that we have him going at we have him going at 26 to the to the Cavs. I think he should be way higher, um, given his upside. And you know, in only 21 minutes uh, at per game at Florida State, he averaged. 13.2 points per game, six rebounds per game, and 1.5 blocks. So I think he has the ability to be an elite shot block blocker. Uh, he'll probably start out as a mid-range shooter, but I think he'll expand to the three-point line, similar to how Ibaka evolved in Oklahoma City. And I think he'll be a fringe all-star and a really good player for Cle- for a team that gets him in the uh, mid-20s. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think I think he, he does have an NBA-ready body. I did like that. You know, 6'10", 250, that's... That's a prototypical forward. But at the same time, like I said, forward, you know, he, he plays a lot of centers. He tries to play a lot of center, and they had him play a lot of that, especially when Chris Kumaje at Florida State was out. And um, at 6'10", 250, I don't see him as a, as a successful center in this league, and I think he's going to have to, like you said, expand his game to a power forward, a stretch four. Um, he needs a faster release. You know, it's, it's a much slower release. It's kind of like an Al Horford release, which works, but it, 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 it does – it is a cause for concern at points. So, like you said, I think he just needs to get more agile and faster because right now he's he's a lot he's a big back to the basket guy. Some some something that worked in the time at Florida State, you know, being a six ten two fifty back to the basket center was working. But he has the potential to be a good forward, but he needs to move his game out, like out of the paint and out of what he was doing and the mold that they had him doing in Florida State. I mean. At least in the games that I watched, he was he was plenty agile running the lane. And I think, I mean, given that he showed this year that he could shoot the three more, I think he can become that either the stretch five that the NBA is kind of evolving to, given that, you know, positionless basketball and they like guys who are agile. And the fact that he really, of all the guys that guarded Zion this year, I think he did a really good job. Right, and Zion's um, not a center, and he's 6'10", and that's just not a center position, a center height in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that, given that the NBA is getting smaller and more athletic. I mean, we saw the... Yeah, and he's not athletic at saw, all. That's, that's his whole game. He's not athletic. He's athletic. 
he, he's a very good he, – he's a great shot blocker. He's, he's a dunker. I mean, yeah, yeah. you don't shot average one point five. He's not agile. He's not athletic. Like a like if a stretch five, someone to be six ten to be com- comfortable playing a six ten center needs to be fast. Needs to be mobile, and he is mobile, but, but he he's not mobile. agile at all. He's not agile at all. Agile that's, meaning what? That's not his game. He's not la- like quick laterally. He's not moving people around with. <clears throat> he he can't take someone off the dribble. He he's not with them in every transitional opportunity. Uh, he, he's a big man and he's a big man that can shoot and he needs to mold into more of just an agile player. And, you know, that just comes with durability in the NBA game. And I, I wasn't, I don't expect a two, 250 pound person to be agile. And uh, the only person we've ever seen being, being like that basically is Zion. And, uh, <clears throat> but at the same and time, Kevin you know, Durant. and Kevin Durant, well, we, we just can't lie to ourselves and say that he's, he's this stretch for this guy that can, you know, help, in offense, like transitionally and um, quickly, because that's just not him. That's not his game. And but I think he has the ability to get there. Yeah, I agree. I think he has the ability to get there. But I think he showed plenty of flashes at Florida State. He's athletic vertically. He's long, and although he may not have the quickness of other guys, you know, you know, also, you know, he's a tweener between kind of center. And for, but given that you don't need these seven footers anymore, and given that he's shown at Florida State that he could play center effectively, I think he's a real steal in the twenties. But I, but I'm saying like if you go back up all the way to the top ten and you look at Jackson Hayes at six eleven point five, I think he would he would give Kevin Jelly a lot of trouble. And um, I think at the center position, I think a hundred percent a lot of trouble. Jackson just, Hayes gets score. Yeah, I'm saying on the on the defensive end. He would give him a lot of trouble. And I think that just attributes to that laterally and footwork-wise, he's, he's not there yet. But I'm saying he can mold into someone that could be like that. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. I do understand that. And, yeah, yeah I you – okay, uh, I agree. All right. My next uh, prospect is Carson Edwards. Uh, some people do have him in the late first round, but he's now shifting to just a more consensus uh, early second round pick. You know, a lot of people have him going to Philly. A lot of people have him going to Chicago, something like that. You know, he, he came onto the scene during March Madness. He, he's just one of the best deep threats in this class. He, he has a beautiful high release that rarely changes, regardless of who's guarding him. And even at 6'1", he's not afraid to shoot above anyone, you know, even on step back shots above uh, over centers he's, he's not scared and he can hit them consistently uh he's he's able to sh- spot up or shoot off the dribble uh he's most reliant he, he goes left mo- like too much but you know he he uh <clears throat> he can go right he his durability is also a great sign of the nba he played all games for um purdue and he played 48 almost 40 minutes in the march madness every game but you know a lot of people just the big thing is his size and inability to take bigger defenders off the dribble you know, he, he's small. He's small, and he's not that quick. And he, he can't take that many people off the dribble. But his shooting upside and his just, just scoring in, in a hole could could warrant a lot of eyes and a lot of production in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. He has the ability to be um, an elite shooter. I mean, he flashed that against UVA in his last game. 10 of 19 from right. three which is absolutely remarkable. 
most of them were really contested uh, shots. But within that box score, what stands out to me is zero assists to four turnovers and zero steals and zero blocks. So I don't know if he's a sleeper. I think he plays a specific role on the team. Right. I I just think, think, you know, with that, with that amazing touch and amazing, just ability to score. uh, But he does have that lack of um, playmaking ability and consistency to get to the, get to the um, paint. But this is the perfect age for him. You know, the, the shooting touch, the, the idea that the just the NBA keeps moving farther and farther and farther away from the basket. I think this is the place for Carson Edwards. I think he can get play, playing time as a rotation player just for that premise and I, that idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I think he could become uh, a good rotational like backup point guard. He'll come in and he'll either play thirty minutes or he'll play ten right. based on how he's right. doing. Um. Yeah, so I think that's a good role for Carson Edwards. And, but I think a lot of it is based on fit. Like, if a team expects him at the end of the first round to step in and be a starting point guard, I, I think that's – unless he improves his decision-making and also improves the consistency on his shot. You know, he only shot 35.5% from three this year and 39.4% from the field. So, But you could also – He does have – he's a good shooter. He's a good shooter nonetheless. Anyone else. He is a good shooter. He's a good shooter, yes, but I do think he's inconsistent, and I think he can fit in as a backup point guard, but I'm not sure if he'll um, – if a team expects him to become the starting point guard of their team, um, I think they will be um, they will be um, unfor- sad with the results. Right. Okay, so my last sleeper is Bruno Fernando out of uh, Maryland. And I compare him to Miles Turner without a three-point shot yet. So, you know, we had a super high percentage from the field at 60.8% for the year. And you could say, you know, the Big Big Ten didn't have that great big man. And they could kind of boss them around uh, down low. And I hear that. I agree. He's a little bit raw on the offensive end. But he averaged 10.6 rebounds per game against a huge front line in LSU with other – with potential – uh, late first rounder slash early second rounder Nas Reed on that front line. He averaged he had 15 rebounds. He's also a good shot blocker, 1.9 blocks per game, and he has an NBA ready body. I think he'll step in and be a solid rotational piece piece right away, which is what you want uh, from your second rounders. With the upside, if he improves his range on his three point shot and becomes a little bit uh, more experienced and polished on the offensive end, I think. He has the ability of Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, Bruno, he's, he's, he's just a raw prospect. He's someone that a lot of people have moving into the, the first round, but I still have, you know, in the second. I still think it's just a lot for someone to take a first-round flyer on. And I think he just – right now, he, he, he's he's kind of incapable of scoring from tw- outside of 12 to 15 feet. And, yeah, he's good on defense, but that inability to score outside the 12 to 15 feet is a big sign of just a lot of, a lot of work to do and a lot – of production that needs to happen in the G league and just as a, a, a role player that a first round flyer is probably too much on him. I, I personally think a late first round flyer is the perfect range for him because he's shown that he has the ability to shoot, you know, typically a good indicator of a person of, um, of a prospect's ability to knock down a shot and 
for further development is from the free throw line. And he shot 78% from the free throw line this past year, which is better than R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. So although he didn't really show that three-point touch that a lot of other top prospects showed, he still showed um, he, he showed the ability to knock down free throws at a high percentage. So I think he could be a really good prospect, and I think uh, he could be a perennial all-star and at, you know, five years down the line. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So uh, thank you for listening to us. And we will see you after the draft with our reactions. Can't um, wait. It should be an exciting uh, day with filled with most likely a couple of uh, blockbuster trades. Oh, definitely. Uh, we're excited. Uh, see you yep, Friday. Bye.